Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, mm-hmm. here with my friend, Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masecha Bavakama, daf Kuf Yotet, page 119. Well, we're on our final daf Bavakama, hard to believe. We still have Bava Metzia mm-hmm. and Bava Batra to get to, uh, to finish out the Bavas. So join us tomorrow to start Bava Metzia. Please tell a friend who you think may be interested in starting to uh, learn a new Masecha with us. Please also join us on March 3rd, God willing, as we have our Siyum on Babakama, I know it's a few days after we finish uh, Babakama, uh, we'll be hearing from Rabbanit Aliza Sperling. It will be at 10 a.m. East Coast time, 5 p.m. in Israel. If you want the link uh, for the Siyum or to register for the Siyum, you can reach out to us at talkingtalmud at gmail.com, on Facebook, or at through our WhatsApp group. And we look forward to uh, really celebrating, I think, which was a pretty tough masachat and also learned during a tough time. So uh, mm-hmm. it'll be exciting to uh, move on to Baba Metzia. Uh I'm going to start off with something a little more agadic. Um, and I think it's just interesting. We've been talking a lot about, you know, robbery and thieves. And I think this statement of Rabbi Yochanan kind of tells us like why stealing is bad. Um, I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, mm-hmm. Anybody who robs a prutus worth from his fellow, it's as if he took his soul from him. So Rabbi Yochanan starts here with the pasuk that was actually quoted in the previous discussion from Mishlei, chapter 1, verse 19, which is interpreted as saying that somebody, uh, a robber, basically takes away the soul, the nefesh of the owner of the item he steals. It's, it's, it's in the previous discussion. So they quote this pasuk again, Kain arachot kol betza nefesh ba'alav. Yikach. Such are the ways of anyone who steals. He takes away the soul of its owner. Okay, so that seems to make the connection of what Rabbi Yochanan is doing. But what he does is something interesting. He keeps quoting a variety of different psukim to sort of further what it's saying. It's not just that he steals. When someone steals, they steal the soul of the of the victim, right? He goes on to say, V'omer, and now he's going to quote a pasuk from Yirmiyahu chapter 5, verse 17, and he will consume your harvest and your bread, and they will consume your sons and daughters. So this pasuk in Yirmiyahu seems to say that somebody who comes and consumes your harvest and your bread, it's as if they consume the lives of your sons and daughters because you were no longer able to sustain them because you did not have your harvest and your bread anymore. And Rabbi Yochanan from here is going to continue with another pasuk, right? of Ve'omer, which is going to be from Yoel, chapter 4, verse 19. Me'chamas b'nei Yehuda asher shafchudam na'kib artsam. Right? On account of the extortion of the children of Judah, who shed innocent blood of their land. I can't, you know, obviously we have the word Hamas here. It means something today. Um, but that could be a whole other interpretation, which I'm not going to get into right now. Um but uh, this is a pasuk actually from uh, Yoel chapter four, verse 19, right? And so here, what it's basically saying is, is that, you know, this extortion that took place of the children of Yehuda, they shed innocent blood in their land. And so this whole pasuk is basically saying that God is going to punish Egypt and Edom because of their extortion of the, of the Jews, which basically seems like uh, that they were, you know, they shed innocent blood. Ve'omer, and then it goes on, El Shaul ve'el Beit Adamim, al asher he meets at HaGivonim, on account of Shaul, 
an account of the house of, of blood for his having killed the Givonim. And this is a pasuk from Shmuel Bet, chapter 21, verse 2, right? So the Gemara will basically now explain that Shaul never killed the Givonim, but rather he killed the Kohanim of Nob, who, you know, employed and supported the Givonim. So therefore, it was like he killed the Givonim because he, by killing the Kohanim, that's a very famous thing that Shaul did, unfortunately, was he killed the Kohanim of Nob. Um, by killing the Kohanim, he took away the, you know, basically, the jobs or, or where the Givonim actually got money from. So it was as if he killed the Givonim himself. So essentially here, you know, there's a series of Sukim that Rabbi Yochanan quotes that each seem to sort of make this connection between cutting off somebody's ability to provide or to provide for somebody else, it's as if you killed them. Now, the Gemara once asked the question here, which is, why does Rabbi Yochanan need to give all of these different psukim? He could have just quoted that first pasuk and that would have been the end of it. My Omer, right? What's the reason why Rabbi Yochanan keeps saying, and it says, why wasn't the first pasuk not enough? So the Gemara says, v'chitema nefesh day. So he's trying to say this. If you'll say, that only the soul of the victim itself, the robber took away. But not the soul of his son and his daughters. So that's why he needs that second pasuk, right? Which talks about uh, the sons and the daughters. That second half of uh, that pasuk in, you know, this pasuk in, uh, in, in Yermiyahu. That's why he needs to, to mention it as well. Um, then he goes on, right? And it says, uh, right, and if you'll say that this pertains only to where one takes away someone's possessions and doesn't give money for them in exchange, but where he gives money, right, it's not like taking away lives. So that's why we need this pasuk saying on the account of the extortion of the children of Judah, for they shed innocent blood in their land, right? Hamas, right? This idea, what it means in Hebrew. Okay, again, I, I, I recognize that this means something very different today, um, but it, it means extortion, basically. And the idea is taking an object against the owner's will and paying him for it. So that that's what it's talking about. And if you say that this pertains, right? Only this, this idea of robbery being like, you know, killing somebody or, you know, or taking away a nefesh only pertains to where he robs with his hands about grama low, but not when he caused somebody to lose his means of sustenance. Toshma el shaul el damim givonim. That's why we need this pasuk about shaul, about the house of blood for having killed the givonim. How do we know that shaul killed the givonim? Rather, we know that he killed all of the um, uh, he killed all the Kohanim who were in Nob, right? So part of what we need to know here is that Mishkan that was in Shiloh was moved to the city of Nob, and this is, happens in, Shmu, in Shmuel uh, Aleph, uh, chapter 21. And basically, uh, you know, Shaul believes, or he gets led to believe, that uh, the Kohanim of Nob were supporting David and wanted to overthrow Shaul. And that's why he goes out and he basically, um, he basically, uh, he kills all of them. So therefore it says, uh, you know, so he kills all the Kohanim in Nob. 
And they gave the Givonim water and food. So the scripture considers it as if he actually kills them. And so what we see here is, is that this idea, right, that essentially if you, you know, if you're going to, we have all these different scenarios, right, where it's not just that, like, you stole from a person, but it's stealing from the person, it's taking away the ability for him to support his family, it's extorting the person, it's even taking away his ability to support other people, not just his family, all of these things you know, are considered to be stealing. And I think the idea also is to show like stealing is not just stealing. Like you don't know what you take from that other person, how valuable or how important that object was or that money was and how it could have impacted who were around that person. And so I think that's why it's very important what Rabbi Yochanan is is saying here. I find it fascinating as I keep finding things fascinating, that our Masachet ends with these robbers, right? Meaning with the question of theft and exactly what you just said, you know, what does the, what, what does it mean to have something stolen? It can mean so many different things to different people in so many different kinds of, you know, betrayal and loss and, and, or perhaps even not that big of a deal, depending on who you are as compared to, if you'll recall, you know, 119, 118 days ago, when we started talking about damages and the different identities of, you know, the different ways that property can damage property and what that means for people. And it could be so different. So I find this all to be, you know, I, I don't have it all in a pretty package yet, but I feel like Bubba Kama is, is trying in some way to be that pretty package of, uh, of I don't know the same way that I, I feel like I want to say I'm not saying that it's quite legit yet to say it but the same way that damages caused by property to another person's property you know have this whole book about them well so too do different kinds of robbery um, such yeah, as I, I, I think it's trying to say like how not you know where I agree with you like these types of things I think we see this movement from like the beginning of the Masafa being about like sort of negligent damage that you do versus like the end of the Masafa really talking about like purposeful damage to somebody, right? It's very different. There we go. Your ox wasn't careful versus like you purposefully went out of your way to take somebody's property, which is a way of damaging a person's property. So in a way it's like, we're sort of moving from like, you know, the most that we start off with sort of like, you know, the inadvertent things that just happen when we share the world with other people to, you know, being so not careful about your fellow human that you're willing to take something that's really not yours. And you don't even necessarily understand the consequences of what that could have for that person's life. Thank you. You've now put into much better words what I was trying to get at. Um, And I think uh, a caveat or an addition to that is also, of course, at the beginning, we have this whole question over, um, you know, property damaging property, or at what point does a person come into the mix? And we say, that a person is always, you know, on guard, has to be on guard. Otherwise, it's a matter of negligence for any damage that a person may cause that is still very different than our robber who has intent to steal, right? Intent to ignore the ownership that a different party has of the same item. So 
I do think there's a kind of continuum here. Um, okay, enough philosophizing for the moment. Yeah, I, I want to hit our last Mishnah. Mishnah. Just one quick, like, sort of fuso. There's a little story oh, sure. Go ahead. where Ravina goes to the city of Machoza to collect charity. And again, this is in the context of things that you can take or not take because you're worried that it might have been stolen. It says, right? That the woman Machoza came and they gave him golden chains and bracelets. And he takes them from him. And Rabbi Tosfa says to Ravina, basically, but didn't we learn in Abraisa, right, that charity collectors can take something small from women, but you can't take something big because there's a concern that maybe it was stolen. And Ravina basically says to him, right, that for the wealthy inhabitants of Machoza, these were considered so small. So I just wanted to mention the city of Machoza. Usually we are important in Babel, we think about Sura, Pumpadita, and Naharda. Mahoza was also a, a city. It's on the Tigris. Um, and it was a very, you know, sort of wealthier city, obviously, from the description here. Also probably had a yeshiva there. Um, so, but, you know, just to pay attention a little bit to it, uh, that it's sort of mentioned, like, by that here. So, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. Okay, to the Mishnah. Last Mishnah of Babakama. Now, we have to understand that this is a certain amount of realia or, you know, how life worked then, how different industries worked then. So we have the person who does the laundry, who's a professional launderer, right? And he's dealing with a garment. The garment is made of wool. And there's certain, like, strands of thread, whatever, of wool coming off of the garment. So the mission tells us that when he removed them, those strands of wool are his, the launderers, because the assumption is like the owner of the garment doesn't want his like this, you know. I don't, I don't even know what we call this, right? Like the, you have a thread and it's a run, right? Like it's not anything that's helpful to your garment. You want it gone. It's unsightly. It looks, you know, disheveled, etc. But vasorek motzi hare elu when you're talking about the person who does the carding, who's preparing that wool to become fabric, if that person takes off the threads, then the assumption is that the owner, that the customer, the balabayat would indeed want those threads, the strands, whatever, because it's in that, it's an earlier stage in the process, right? And also because the, the person carding the wool is going to remove a good amount. It's not just a, a, a loose thread here and there. It's Parting. So again, we're not weavers, whatever, but we know, right, that if you take wool and you cart it, you get a it, it, it separates off a good amount of the actual product. Excuse me. So the person who does the laundry takes the three threads that are put in at the edge of the garment, those are his, but if it's more than that. Yet to If it's more than three threads, again, he should leave them for the owner of the garment. If there were black threads, however, on a white garment, the launderer could take them and they belong to him because you're not putting that thread back into the garment, really, right? Meaning it does happen sometimes. We're not talking about where there's a design in thread to make it look a, a particular stylish kind of way. We're talking about thread that holds the garment together and is on the underseam, 
right? So then why would anybody care to have the black thread when you've got a white garment, you know, etc.? Fine. Next half of the Mishnah. Chayat hachayat sheshiyeret achut kedelit forbo. You have a tailor who leaves enough thread attached in the cloth that you could actually sew with it. Now, this, I think, happens in particularly well-made garments. You can sometimes find extra thread. Sometimes you'll find an extra button, right, where the where the maker of the, of the clothing makes sure that you, the customer, have enough thread to mend something, to hem something, or, as I say, to, to add on if you need, if you lose a button, you can replace it. So in this case, the tailor leaves enough thread to the cloth, right? And you can actually come and sew with it. So in any of these cases, if you have a patch of cloth, it's three by three, three um, fingers by three fingers, right? Then all of those things begin belong to the customer. The thread, the the if the patch of cloth, right? It's all going to go to the original owner of the garment. It's not original. It's just the person who owns the garment. However, if you have a carpenter and he's taking with an adze, right? Like he's got a, a tool by which he's able to kind of like chisel out shavings, let's say. So those shavings are go to the to the craftsperson because they're these little snibbles of, of shavings. The assumption is that the owner doesn't want those things. Who cares? However, if what he's doing is using an axe and that belongs that now that now what he's pulling off is going to go to the customer, right? Meaning to the owner because, because it's bigger, because it's more, because it, it, it's presumed that he, the owner is going to care. And lastly, the mission tells us that if he was doing all of this work in the home of the customer, then even the sawdust belongs to the customer because maybe he's planning on doing something with it which he wouldn't care about if the same exact thing were done in the craftsperson's workshop. So this mission, I think, again, like it gives us parameters for interactions between how people you know, are dealing with ownership of something that might even be considered negligible or might actually be considered significant. We don't have obvious damage or theft in this Mishnah, certainly not at this point, right? Um, and I think it kind of ends on a more positive note in terms of the open question of what happens when you have craftspeople and you have leftovers that theoretically are garbage, but somebody might actually want them, especially if you are, in fact, a craftsperson. So now, the whole that's at the bottom of Ahmed Aleph, Basically, the whole, whole of Amabet analyzes this Mishnah, of course, right? And it gets into these questions of, you know, the the warp and the woof, right? The weaving process of of uh, for weavers, right? Where they're dealing with the wool and how that has real impact. Um, and what do you do with those shreds of wool? But what I want to get to, of course, is the very end, which is talking about this carpenter. Um, if you look to the very end of the daf, there's a just the last bit of of sugya there, when you're talking about a carpenter who's removing using an ad, like a, a smaller tool, the Gemara says, wait, we've got a contradiction here. There's a brighter that says that when a carpenter removes, you know, again, wood shavings with an ad, and then whatever is going to be cut with a saw, 
is going to belong to the customer. That's what it says. Hare elu shabalabayit to the owner. Vayotzei mitachat makdeach umitachat rehiti rehitni vanigrar b'megira hare elu shalom. And then the the follow up of that is if you're talking about somebody who's using a drill and there's a little wood shavings or whatever that comes out from that, or is using a plane, you know, like to smooth out the wood, or you're scraping with a saw. Right again, there you've got sawdust. All of those kinds of things are going to go to the carpenter as opposed to the owner, according to this breita. In contrast to the Mishnah, where the Mishnah seems to distinguish between some things going to the carpenter and other things going to the owner. So the man has an answer. I'm a Rava. It shouldn't surprise us that it's Rava. Rava says that we're we're talking about the Tan of our Mishnah. He's talking about two different kinds of blades, right? We talked about that. We saw that there's an axe and there's an adze, and they take out different size shavings. So there's two different sizes. The, the large one is called a kashil, and the adze, A-D-Z-E, is, is called a ma'azad. But the Breite is only talking about an ads. He's not talking about an axe. He's not talking about something where you presume it to go to the owner to begin with. Okay. And then the Mishnah goes on. The Gemara cites the Mishnah going on. What happens if he does the work in the domain of the owner to begin with? So this is an example. We've got a to here where we say that if you have, you're not chiseling wood, but you've got somebody who's chiseling stone. And then are you concerned that really that they're going to take something in that robbery, which brings us back here, Dana, to the, to the robber question. It's not considered a theft to like chip off these little bits of stone. And likewise, if you're coming to prune trees, or to prune vines, or to weed plants, or likewise, if you're dealing with, I'm sorry, I skipped one. If you're trimming shrubs or if you're weeding plants, or you're, you know, pulling up vegetables, this end conclusion, which basically says, if the owner cares about these leftovers and these shreds and whatever, then you would be in trouble for theft if you in fact took them home. But if he doesn't care, if he's not makpid, if he's not particular to keep a hold of them, well, then you're fine. Then you're fine to take them home. And I think that's that makes perfect sense to me in terms of the way property ownership logic should work. Because in this case, we say, well, he doesn't care. So, so it's fine. Um, yeah, take what you want. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. But even if it's unstated, it doesn't matter because he's made it clear, the owner has made it clear that he's not worried about what I'll call schnibbles, right? Like the little leftovers of, of any of this kind of work, any of this kind of crafts, crafts work. Um, and now we come to the very conclusion of the Masechet, or this first third of it, Amr of Yehuda, Kishut v'chaziz. So Rav Yehuda says that Kishut and Chaziz, which are two different um, pro uh, grain properties, 
One is called daughter. I don't know what that is in English either. It's kashut as far as I'm concerned. Although my, I do have a very nice picture of it. Um, it seems to be a certain, it's a shrub and it absorbs nutrients from other plants around it. And green grain. So both of these, they're not subject, they're not considered subject liable for robbery to begin with because they grow as weeds. Nobody is keeping track of them or, or taking care of them so then nobody can claim to be the owner of them either. However, in a place where people do pay attention to these particular plants and do grow them with intent, then of course you would have a topic of gezel. You would have theft if somebody, you know, plant lines their garden with these particular plants. Amravina, Umata, Machasia, Atra, Dekapitehu. He says, in the city of Machasia, they are particular about these two things. So you have to be careful there, you know, of ownership. And with that, the Masachet ends. Hadran Allah, Gozel Batra, Vesilka La Masachet Babakama. And it's kind of like, a, 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 it's not quite a cliffhanger, but it kind of stops us in the middle of the discussion. And I think we'll all understand how this is yet only the first third of the larger topic of Nazikin of damages. Be, and, and on the other hand, this does close off the first third. It just doesn't have like a nice, you know, Talmidei Chachamim bring peace in the world kind of closure that we've seen in other Masechto. No, you feel like we're really still in the middle of something. Yes, I think we do. To which I say, all right, tomorrow, Bav Metzia. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.